Welcome to the Alpha Pack Podcast. When you hear the word alpha, what comes to mind? Is it a lone wolf who goes his own way? Or maybe it's a powerful leader who bulldozes over the competition. Well, what if we told you that true alphas aren't lone wolves intent on tearing people down? They're actually dominant leaders who never back down from the challenge of improving the lives of everyone around them. As part of the Alpha Pack, we believe that no leader should be on their own. They need a pack of people keeping them accountable, challenging them, and encouraging them to be the best that they can possibly be. Join us as we hear incredible stories from industry leaders about how to become an alpha that will settle for nothing less than making the world better than the way they found it. Are you ready to learn what it takes to become a true alpha? Then pull up a chair, because you have a seat at the table as part of the pack. This is the Alpha Pack Podcast. So we're going to continue the telling our kind of wolf story. So I think we have Wolf Awakening or some sort of melodramatic title, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I guess it's my turn to talk about my story. So, (laughs) man, I think... I think this stuff started really early for me. And so part of my story is getting a lot of early attention young. And, okay, so like layer one for this was realizing, hey, maybe I don't have to play by the rules. So I don't think it was full wolf. Mm -hmm. But like, hey, there are rules for everyone else. I don't think the rules all apply to me. Uh, And some of that's the audacity of a kid, but some of that is like, people treated me differently and I got to do things different than others. So my mom was a theater director. I did my first speaking role when I was four. Uh, I did my second speaking role when I was five. And people, you know, when you're four and you don't throw up on stage, they tell you you're really awesome and did a great job. You know, they pat you on the head and tell you how amazing you yeah, are. You're headed to Broadway, man. Yeah, seriously. Exactly. And, and with all the wisdom yeah. of a four-year-old, I was like, yes, clearly right. people tell me I'm amazing. I must be amazing. But right. they tell all four-year-olds that they're yeah, amazing. Yeah, I, I know, but I believed them. Scott believed <laughs> yeah. Scott, yeah. Scott ran with that. Let's be clear, exactly. I don't know that I was any better than the next four-year-old, but I can tell you I believed them. Right. But it wasn't just that. Um, so I want to be like kind of snarky and punk about it. I'm like, yeah, so I actually got held back twice in school before I graduated. I mean, two whole grades, which is actually totally true, but it's because... I kept getting put up in my early years so that by the time I graduated, I graduated with my peers, meaning eventually I went back to stay back just for age match. My parents, it's actually one of the wisest things they did parenting. Yeah, they, said, they said, listen, we're not worried about you academically. We're not worried about you succeeding professionally in that regard. Like you're smart enough. You can handle this. We are worried about you socially and maturity. You need the time to mature. We still are worried about you socially. (laughs) That's another podcast entirely, right? Uh, We'll bring my therapist on for that conversation. But yeah, so here's how I say that. So at four, like preschool was so incredibly boring that I was massively disruptive in class. Um, Like doing headstands in the middle of class, taking my shoes off, tying the shoelaces together, spinning them over my head and trying to throw them at things and catch stuff. Uh, I mean like- Like inspired by David or- I I don't remember. Um, Yeah, I probably saw a show and I was like, I could do that. Got it, Um, all right. But instead of, and I kind of sort of get in trouble, but the story goes that the teacher would reprimand me. He'd be like, how could you be paying attention? And I would then repeat, like the last five things she just said over the last 10 minutes. Right. Um, again, like, you know, this is the kind of stuff I don't typically share, but if we want to talk about the story, I, 
I taught myself how to read by watching my older brother do some reading, figured I could learn that. I have this vivid memory of watching Sesame Street and like these weird puppets going B E D and the letters start sliding together. And I was like, brain explosion. <gasps> That's reading. And I just started picking. So by the time I get there, I'm not just in preschool. I actually read. Uh, not brilliantly, I wasn't reading yeah. Dostoevsky or anything, but oh, I could okay. read children's books, sound out the basic letters at three and a half years old. So at four, I'm like, I've been reading for six months and you want to tell me that B says buh? I was losing my mind. And so instead of... This is bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> B-A-D, bad. So in, but here's the thing. Instead of punishing me... They actually, my parents actually convinced them, and actually maybe the school said, I don't know who did it. They put me in kindergarten at age four, and I graduated kindergarten at age four, and I also have a vivid memory of this. In the kindergarten graduation ceremony, they had me get up and read a book, Freddy the Frog, to everybody. And so I just stood up, a little tiny four-year-old, and read a book to the whole group, and they're all losing their mind. And people, of course, coming and patting me on the head, telling me how amazing I was. Um, so... The, like I was ahead of my peers, I was doing all this stuff, and I was like, yeah, I, you know, I'm special, right? I'm great, I, the rules don't apply to me. Maybe other people have to do that. But I, it wasn't like an explicit thing, but there was just it, the sense that you have to follow the path and stay in line was probably not firm. Like I, I was like, yeah. Early on. But I, here's what I would say, I think Early on, it was this vague, unarticulated sense that I might be different. I mean, there are rules, and mm -hmm. the rules are fixed, just not for me. But really, when I first really got a taste of wolf, I was thinking about it, listening to your guys' stories. And it's not where probably you're expecting this happened, because I did sports, and I did plays, and I did competitions, and I... I worked for a television studio. There's all sorts of cool places I could say, like, I picked up Wolf. Man, I went to state championships. Oh, no, no, no. My first experience of Wolf and the fact that you could, like, these boundaries are totally malleable and the rules can be bent if you just have the audacity to do it, was when I joined a formal boys' choir. Mm. So, so there was a large church near us, um, Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in South Florida. Mm -hmm. They had huge like stained glass that had one of the largest pipe organs in the world. Um, it was very formal marble. They wore robes. They processed it on the aisle to organ music and sing. Very high, very high church. Very high church. And they had a boys choir. That's like the Vienna boys choir. And the boys choir was like good. They recorded CDs. They did international tours. I mean, it was like a pretty beast boys choir. And I joined the boys choir. Very manly boys choir. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure you can be manly boys choir. But if it, if it could be, you you did. So it. here was the thing about the it was King's Choir. Um, it wasn't the choir. It was what we did during the services. So this huge church, it's a multi-building campus, multi-story, giant steeples. They have a, a billion-dollar television studio in the mix. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, a, it was this huge complex, right? And the boys choir kids that I came into... They showed me how to get around all the rules, how to get into the secret doors. Um, like I probably, hopefully they don't care anymore, but like we figured out how to bust into the senior pastor's private study, which was on a, there's a secret elevator, like there's an elevator at one portion. Sure. Floors one, three, and four have buttons. There's no button for floor two. 
And they're like, oh, no, no, you've got to time it. And they taught me the timing. And you hit the emergency stop button. And then you start smashing the door open button. And if you timed it right when you release the emergency stop, because you were stopped at the right point, you would trigger and you would go into the secret second floor. Yeah, pretty awesome. Um, I don't know if secret second floor is awesome, though. <laughs> that's another podcast. That's another podcast. What, what, that the pastor had a secret second floor? Yeah, I don't floor. know if that's a great thing. Yeah, yeah. That's, this is a whole other podcast. Yeah, um, there was a, he could get into it through a stairwell and other stuff. Well, because we would get in and you could see like, oh, that's what that door goes to. Um, there was underground places. I mean, there was a... The steeple is a 300 plus foot steeple in the air. And there was a section that says high voltage, don't touch. And everybody's terrified of it. And the boys are like, that's not high voltage. That's to keep you from going up that ladder. And the stories of the boys, it was like one of your ultimate dare moments was like, so have you been up in the steeple yet? And you're like, no way, dude. That's interesting. But I mean, if you're going to do it, I mean, even silly stuff like, so they had this huge adult choir. And the adult choir had this massive spread of food, two services, right? And between services, the adult choir would have like five to six tables, you know, like a folding tables yeah. full of bagels and donuts and fruits and all this huge breakfast spread. Wow. And it was only for the choir and me and two other boys because we just walked right in, charmed people, chatted them up. And every Sunday morning that we sang, so we weren't always performing, but the boys probably performed once a month in church. And when it was our performance day, I'd just roll all up in there like it was no big deal. And again, the first time it happened, I was terrified, but the guys were like, no, no, come on, we can do this. And other people would literally be stopped and I'd say, I'm sorry, it's just for the choir. And we would walk right past the guy saying that. He'd give me a nod and I'd go on in and pound like donuts and bagels. (laughs) It was like... The rules don't apply. And they have security guards um, mm-hmm, sure. for like all sorts of different spaces. And like they, the boys literally taught me, oh, yeah, if you are confident enough, if you'll just look them in the eye, give them a friendly nod and keep marching like you got somewhere to be, you can go anywhere in this complex you want. And I have such vivid memories of like heart racing. Holy crap. <laughs> and then be like, OK, we got this. You walk in, you grin, you give them a little look, and you walk right past him into the studio. And I have, they never questioned it. And it was like, oh my gosh. I mean, there was the time that some of the boys got in massive trouble. Thankfully, I was not there for this one because they played an epic game of tag on the roof of the service during the service <laughs> while we're broadcasting live to the nation. <laughs> That's awesome. And it got caught on sound. Um, they're like, what is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, yeah, the boys' choir, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, forget the fact that we sang in German and Latin. Um, and we did, and that was pretty cool. It wasn't the music, as much as I learned a lot of music there. It was this, like, dude, you could go in there. There's a sign saying you can't go in there. Well, That's I know. Bendable. That's bendable. But yeah, these rules are not really rules. It's just people are too scared to do it. Mm. So that was probably the first. Like, oh, it's not just Scott can do special things. It's because the world isn't quite as fixed as you might think it is. And I have parents who are audacious mm-hmm. and willing to question rules. I mean, you, you, Daniel and I have known each other since high school. You know my parents. The kind of their story is, well, yeah, I mean, that's not the normal way to do things, but... Who says? I mean, let's do it. From from their, their early faith conversion, they yep. joined a non-standard group that traveled around the country trusting God for a place to sleep, saying, I don't know, God will provide. We'll figure it out. Now, <laughs> then they got 
jobs and lives and built houses and did cool things. But their like foundation of how they met was they joined this like radical, hey, you pursue the right thing. Who, who says it can't be done? We'll figure it out. And so that, I mean, my parents, right? They're like, well, let's put them up ahead. Or, you know, but, so that mentality was around vaguely, mm. but it was really, I was 10 when I joined that group. From 10, 11, and 12, I was in the group. And then right around 13, the voice changes and you get kicked out of the group. But or, or they caught you and finally kicked you out for all the trouble. No, no, they never did. <laughs> they never did. Touche. Yes. Um, so I think that would be the beginning phases of, but it was just kind of this, the limits of your world are kind of really the limits of your audacity. Yeah. Mm. I think it's interesting even in that, that you had other people that helped kind of helped you realize that like you were open and willing and, you know, had natural wirings to be bent that way. But it sounds like two other boys kind of opened the, even right. the possibility and door for you at that point. It's interesting. Just kind of even the pack mentality of that at that age. Yeah. Well, I hadn't thought about it, but that, that group was a small little alpha pack. Yeah. And I think it's almost key to kind of the discovery of it and practice of it is that some people maybe come by it completely alone, but they're usually someone going like, no, no, this rule can be bent. Now, whether you pick it up and run with it probably has a lot to do with your wiring, Correct. but without, but without someone going like, no, this is malleable, whether it's your parents kind of doing it in the initial stages, kind of in a way of kind of how their faith works out or whether it's these boys kind of, but I think it's an important thing to say like, this is not a usually a solo journey mm-hmm. yeah. self of like pure self-discovery. There's a little bit of like, hey, here's the side door. But in the side door, you need to walk through like you own the side door because the side door can be like, stop. Like yeah. you have to walk. Well, okay. There are a lot of boys in King's Choir. I think. How, sure. how big was it? 30 to 40. Okay. Okay. Many of the boys, maybe even most of the boys didn't. I mean, you, only a few sure. of us went in there and did this stuff. Sure, sure. Everybody else uh, sat there. Sure. And we told 10%. them all, like, dude, you could come on in. And they'd be like, oh, no. They said no. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I know that, but you can come in. And only a few of us would go in and yeah. do it. Why do you think nobody else wanted to try it? I mean, it, it's this is a deep speculation, right? I mean, who knows? But I... I so mindset, there's a certain amount of like willingness. Um, like you, I don't believe you, right? But like underneath that mindset is, I think, fear. Sometimes that's why huge part of fear. Like, what are the consequences? What happens if? But I also think there's a certain amount of uh, incentive, reward, wiring. Um, I was terrified, sure. but man, I was also simultaneously excited by the possibility. Yeah. Right? And by the reward, I don't just mean the reward of the bagel or donuts. And that's a cool reward. Everybody wanted the bagel or donuts. Dude, I found the thrill of going into the uncertain, unknown, forbidden territory. That in and of itself was as exciting. Mm -hmm. Honestly, some of the rooms we broke into were like, this is a pastor's study. There's nothing exciting in here. The most exciting thing in the secret second floor was rubber bands. We had a rubber band fight in there. That's all that happened. So like, oh, we found a secret room. It's a desk. It's a bookshelf. He has some rubber bands in his desk drawer. It's a really boring room. But dude, we're in the forbidden room. But So I don't think everybody is equally excited by going off into the unknown. It's like all the fear and less reward. And none of the upside. Well, not only that, but I think it's kind of one of those things. And I don't know if we've ever talked about this specifically. But if everyone... If everyone bent it, then the rules would essentially crumble. 
it's one of those things. Like 10% was doing it. Okay, that's why it was allowed to still stay a given rule. And then the people who are bending it. But if everyone bent the rule, then it really wouldn't be a rule. It's kind of like, you know, in Atlanta, we have 285. The speed limit is 55. No one goes 55. Everyone goes 70. It's like dangerous to go 55. Yeah. So, so <laughs> you're, you're that, bending the rules the other so, way. Yeah. So, in that, so in that, in that sense, when you go 70 on 285, it's not for lack of concern for the law, but everyone does it. I think there's an element to this in the sense that, like, you know, a lot of our awakening, whatever, is saying, hey, there are rules which are, for the large percentage of people, good things. They're guardrails. It's like, because if you get off the guardrail, hey, you could get hurt there. There could be, there could be risk and whatever. And those risks aren't good for most of the population. They're just not. So what was the next chapter of your wolf journey? Honestly, figuring out that people don't like wolves. Being a wolf's not popular. I couldn't get people to come with me. So schooling, remember I went ahead. Eventually, I'll skip the details. We eventually, our family homeschooled for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then so right at the same time I was ending King's Choir time, I went back to private school. My mom got a job at a a high-end private school in the area. Part of that job included it began to go free. It was like a pretty epic opportunity. So, And back then, homeschooling, like if you want to do sports or any kind of the group activity stuff, you really didn't have that option. These days, there's tons of options. Back then, it was like, you know, if you want to have that kind of a high school experience. So very end of middle school went back. That was my last being held held back, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. That's when I finally went back to my peers. But so I go back to school and I've been in this, doing this cool choir homeschool where you could set your own pace, play with whatever rules you want. And, and really unconsciously clearly didn't have words for it. Didn't even realize how unique it was. Uh, I mean, all the boys didn't do it, but I'm also with crap boys that did it. This is what you do. We set our own rules and we did it. And I had a, man, maybe we need to have this as another podcast to tell the story of like, my uber wolf best friend who Mm -hmm. was a wolf without discipline or maturity and it ended up destroying his life um Mm -hmm. but so we were homeschooled doing crazy stuff together you and that guy yeah yeah guma guma aguiar Um, i've heard about guma yeah Yeah. but so i came out of that and go back to private school like dude i set whatever schedule i want i move at the pace i want the rules aren't rules. Let's do this. And I come in and it socially did not work. Mm-hmm. It, I came at the very end of middle school. That's usually not a, a social yeah. yeah. to the new kid in a small private school that everybody knows each other. And I was just enough different and just enough boundary pushing that. And, and then bluntly, there was kind of like, you know, two classic groups, the jocks, the nerds. Right. And I kind of came in and I sort of tried to connect with the others. And I, uh, the jocks and I did not click and, and they, some of them grew up to be really great people. But I'd say, frankly, at that time, a lot of them were punks. I remember vividly, they were like picking on the nerds and yeah, it's classic, like nothing particularly horrible, but just like the jerk stuff. And I was like, normal middle school behavior. Yes. And I was like, you guys are jerks. And they did not like me uh, calling them out. And so what do you know? I found myself in the nerd camp with the social outcasts and I joined the computer club and the science club, which, you know, wins you all the ladies' attention. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They love that stuff. In middle, middle school, school. Middle school girls especially. Oh yeah. They they <laughs> they love the skinny dude who wants to talk about BBSs, baby. Um, yes, sir. So so yeah, all I have to say, I honestly and so up like seventh, eighth, all the way through eleventh grade, I had friends and I did fine. 
But man, I was not the popular guy. I was not the, like, this works, things are awesome. It was like, people don't get it. Then I got into another youth group, um, ninth, 10th grade, and my best friend in that youth group who didn't go to school with me, then we started pushing the boundaries there. And so we started having some really fun times. And that was an epic, huge youth group, 300 kids in the youth group. We would do our own internet, uh, not internet, but national tours of choirs and things. And so I, and I was the only guy who got solos in that crowd. The music helped you kind of stand out. So I started being like, okay, I can fiddle with the rules, but not back at school. Mm-hmm. I ran for student council positions and didn't get them. Um, mm-hmm. When there's like, you don't do anything, right? Like, right. what does the ninth grade student council treasurer right. do? Right. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. No, they, they didn't trust me with that. Right. Um, yeah, I, it was not, it was like, I guess this thing doesn't work. And then, so I mean, I had this vague, unarticulated, like, I guess it doesn't, I don't know, maybe once in a while I can push the boundaries and I could be a little special here. But it, And then uh, between my junior and senior year, we moved to Georgia for my parents' work switch. And that's when I ended up going to the same high school as Daniel. And, oh, man, that was like... It's pretty life-defining, wasn't it? Massive. Because what it really was was an alpha pack. I don't, we didn't yeah. call it then, but... We weren't nearly cool enough to call it that. <laughs> and it's not cool to begin with, but it, we, we were certainly not cool enough to have called it that. <laughs> but it, was, it wasn't just like glimpses of... It wasn't like these other things were like, well, we, we got bagels. It was like a full-on... Here's a small group of guys who are all being co-alpha with each other. I mean, that was a crazy... I've seen alphas, right? Yeah. But the co-alpha of that group of guys, it was phenomenal. And I think what was interesting from my perspective is, is that we were already bending some of the rules. Yes. Like, I never had a hall pass in high school. Everybody else was supposed to have a hall pass. But the four of us had this reputation that if... If we were not in class, There's there was a, a good very reason. good reason. Right. Yeah. Right. And so just nobody ever stopped and asked me for a hall pass because we had built this reputation such that that rule didn't really apply to us. Right. So so we were bending some of the rules, but but not crazy. And then Scott comes in and he starts pushing the boundaries harder. I think even for me, it was like, whoa, wait a minute. So maybe, maybe there's more that can be redefined than I thought. So this is interesting. Let me come back to this. Cause actually after 25 Five years. years of friendship, I don't know that I've ever really had this conversation where I heard what it was like for you guys, for me to drop in. So let me share what it was like for me. Go for it. And then I'd be curious to hear what it was like for you. Cause here's what I experienced. I roll up right before school. They did a retreat for all the seniors, incoming senior, mm-hmm. uh, which is yet. Yeah, if you're going to think strategically, this is a terrible time to swap schools, it's a hard right? Time. Like you're supposed to be your golden year. So I'm like, well, we'll find out. And we go on this retreat with the kids. They go off. Uh, we actually go up to Windshape, okay. which is a, a camp um, associated with the Chick-fil-A family and all mm-hmm. that fun stuff. And so we go over there for an overnight stuff and do the team building. Yeah, the ropes course nonsense and sing songs around the campfire and talk about our year. It, it was fun. But I'm like literally total stranger walking into the space by the end of the first night, no, on the drive up, I think I ended up in your van on the drive up. Yeah, we met in the parking lot at school that morning. And they were like, you're riding with us. And I was like, okay. I mean, I have no idea who these people are. By the end of that first night, drive up, we chat, hanging out. Somebody whips out a guitar or something. We're singing. And like these guys, like 
this guy's one of us. And they just bring me into their crew. By the end of that retreat, they invited me into their, we were doing a Bible study. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get together on a weekly basis. Let's talk. And here's the most amazing thing. These guys were super studs. They were the best in grades. Like valedictorian came out of this group and the other guys were right neck and neck behind him competing. I think salutatorian was in this group as well. Mm-hmm. They were like captains of their sports teams. They were the leader of the elite chamber choirs, uh, the student council president, the student body president, the class president, um, the chaplain. I mean, it was like, oh, all just these four guys. Like these guys were like they had become the men, like the bomb. They run this place and I and they shared it. And this was the craziest thing. But it wasn't like one guy was that and his followers. It was like, well, no, you did. You were a captain of this and you were president of that and you led this. And they were all in it together. It's cool. And they all competed but in a way that said, dude, you're better than that. I mean, we've heard this from Daniel's story, right? Like, not, not like I'm going to take you down, but like, come on, come up to me. You got this. It was epic. Now, that's the coolest part. Not the coolest part. That's cool. The coolest part is they saw me and they were like, reached their arm out and were like, come on in. And it was the craziest intro because I vividly remember being in um, civics class, which was a not, yeah, no, that's going to be polite. Yeah. He would be like, hey. Uh, you boys have fun. We'll have a quiz on Friday. And he would pull up his newspaper and hang out. Um, I'm not going to call him by name. Great guy. But probably once a week, he was like, yeah, I don't have any new material. Have some fun. So these guys would be joking and telling stories. Most of our classes were rigorous, like AP level, teachers pushing us. And then then there was civics class. So these guys would be telling stories. They, They grew up together. Somebody would make an inside joke. Well, you got a new guy, right? He doesn't know any of the joke. Normally you're like, I, it's an inside thing. Mm-mm. These guys would be like, okay, you got to hear this. And then they would go back and tell me the original story, then the next iteration of it. And now he joked this and then, then this. And then, so now you got to understand, this is why I said that inside joke because of all this. It wasn't just that I was allowed to understand the inside jokes within a few months. I could be like, M&Ms, right, Jonathan? And they're like, oh, that's hilarious. I was allowed to use the inside jokes like I had been there. I had never been there. I think the interesting thing about that chapter is that it, you would, it sounds like, oh, you were brought in and that's cool and everything. But I think it's kind of neat also to understand, or just the context of like, there were a lot of people who wanted to be in that who weren't. Yeah. And, and you were brought in. And it's the fact that you were brought in and then given that, like there were other people who would like to have been. That's and, a really interesting point. So it's not... It's not like, it's like, hey, democratization, like, hey, we do this for everyone. No, no, no. It's yeah, a very there distinct. Were, there were two guys who kind of orbited that group mm. for four years. Mm. And they wanted to be a part of it, but they weren't. Mm. So you getting the to be brought in and then you getting explained with the context of the orbiting is like, I think the double, like, that's a really special flying through the gap sort of thing. Which is a, maybe a good segue back yeah. to their experience. Cause in my mind, I, yeah, I don't know why they yeah. picked me. All I know is like, they made me one of them. They made me like we'd grown up best friends together. I had experienced Wolf. It was the first time I had experienced our alpha, right? Mm-hmm. This kind of pack. It was the first time I'd seen co-alpha or yeah. an alpha pack. Right. I'd seen it. And, and honestly, like the guys in King's choir who did this stuff, we didn't ever really become a pack. They were classic competitive with each other. Who can right. be more alpha than the other dude? I dare you to do it. Right. But there was no deep pack. There was no you, shared success, pull for each other. Right. It was no. It was like, long wolves I bet you can't do it, you punk. Right? Yeah, right. It, exactly. It was who's the biggest dog here. And so we egged each other on in that way. But you guys were like, no, no, no. 
you being alpha is awesome and in no way threatens it. And come on in, let's do this. We celebrate your awesomeness. So, so Daniel, what was it like for you? And you did stuff together. Like you had shared mutual goals in the sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's very altruistic of you. I don't know if that's entirely <laughs> true. Um, I, I personally felt a lot of threat when Scott came into my hmm. world. And, and yet I think had some maturity, not much, but, but some maturity to actually recognize that and begin to try to process that of like, why do, why do I feel so threatened? What was threatened? The question for me was if Scott's better than me at all the things that I'm good at, why would anyone want to be my friend? Ooh. And that shows a lot of my own baggage and my own damage of I define my value by my achievements. Yeah, yeah, classic. And if somebody has achieved more than me in the places I've chosen to compete, then what value do I have, right? Which is... Which is a whole other podcast. Which is a whole yeah. other podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. But um, but that's that's a classic alpha challenge. But, but that's a very alpha thing. I just, I think for me, I was actually able to recognize the subconsciousness of that and begin to say, okay, that's not a Scott problem. That's a me problem. I've probably got to, I've probably got to deal with that. Can we just call it like, he's like, I'm not that mature. Right. But that very recognition well, is well, a huge issue that alpha, many, many alphas. Because I, I've got 16 year old clients that still can't recognize yeah, no, no, this. No, I think that is, that is almost, I would say in some ways as grudge, like there is kind of like some self-realization of pack mm-hmm. or of, uh, of alpha. But then it's a whole next level of like, it's another sequence to realize like, look, I can let this be threatening to me or, and there's, I think there's a couple doors to get through this. You can be kind of, if I can't beat them, join them. Like, oh, there's that one. Then there's like a more mature, like, hey, rather than feeling threatened, I genuinely like this person. So I want to get to know them. But I think that is a, another level of transformation where you're like, I'm going to hang out with these people and I'm going to choose to not be threatened. Yeah, well, whether by necessity or by well, and I, I'll take it another level like what I don't think you can be alpha pack I think you can be a pack boys run in packs yeah. mm-hmm. people get in packs if there's an yeah. instinct for packs and humans but I don't think you can do co-alpha pack if you have to be the best and right. the winner in order to like yourself if there can only be one person on top of the heap then you can't have you an can't alpha have pack Right. You can have a pack, not a co-alpha pack, yeah. right. you, which digs this one of, I think, the deepest questions of life is like, why do I like myself? Right. And I'll, I'll just say this for alphas, and we'll come back to your guys' experience, like why in the world do you engage? And, but for alphas, I think it's doubly, maybe 10 times more dangerous here mm-hmm. because we are often the best in our little micro circle. Right. And it's you were like the king of the categories that you had said, these are mine. Right. And you were king of this whole world and, in those and, zones. And just to kind of clarify that, like we knew at that point, we had gone to school for so long, like we knew that we all made A's in math. We being the, 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 the four, four of us. Okay. The four of us all made A's in math, but Chris made an A plus. Right. Right. And so it was like, if there was a question that we didn't agree on, we defaulted to Chris because he was just a little bit better than the rest of us. And the same was true for Matt in chemistry. And the same, and, and we knew yeah, the landscape. Is a right. little bit of like, yeah. of like, when it comes to this, we're all good, but this guy's just a little bit better. And I think. Okay. Some, so what were, some, your, what were your niches? Come on. I think my niche was more social. Yes. I was, totally. I was the most extroverted the most socially mischievous. I had probably more moxie than anybody else in the group. Very much. Uh, 
you know, I was also a soccer player, which was, you know, kind of clearly my domain and also a vocalist, which like, was like clear. the other guys didn't even play soccer. They didn't even play didn't soccer. Yeah. Um, and so like I had a couple of things that I did well, but I think where I felt most challenged by Scott was Scott came in with all of the, the personality and the social. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of walked into the, one of the few things that I really felt like I like I owned, it was my, it was my thing. Yeah. And it suddenly became his thing. And I'm like, well then what, what am I contributing here? Right. But, but I do think what's super interesting about this evolution we're talking about, cause I don't know if we've ever really talked about this, but like, when did you realize like you're a wolf and then how do you get into pack? I think we sometimes gloss over that because that is an evolution or a development that a lot of people don't do. And I think that it's tied also to a very kind of like scarcity, the pie size is limited. What yep. we've really found with this alpha pack is like, look, as a group, we can grow the pie. Mm-hmm. And there is not there is not a limited set of pie that you're coming in and you're taking my pie. Yeah. It's like, let's grow the pie. And I think that that's part of what kind of got me out of my you know insecurities was I had seen how the other guys in that crew had helped me elevate right. myself. Mm. And so I think the, the switch for me was, can Scott help? me become a better me yep. yeah right yep. and, and by challenging me in the places where i feel like i'm strongest could i become even stronger and so yep, right. we had had a couple of those moments and i have to wrap this up with like the most alpha story ever the the most 18 year old alpha story <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. okay good <laughs> um, but but that's where i started to see if like he could because he could meet me and it maybe in some places exceed me in those spaces i found myself elevating my game like i found myself thinking faster and mm-hmm. challenging myself in things that nobody had ever challenged me and because i was already the leader in that particular category mm-hmm. and so now it was like oh the doors that i thought were locked might actually be yeah open yeah mm-hmm. so, but, but i think to kind of also close that thought off i think it's one of these things and we really haven't ever really talked about this a lot but i think when you're competing for number one you're like okay you're compete, compete, compete. But the minute you go, hey, rather than competing, what if we got together? The one plus one, all of a sudden you can start generating three. It's like a third yeah. thing shows up and you're like, whoa, hold on. Now, not only are we both pushing ourselves to be better, closer to one, if you will, if we join forces on these things we're good at, you start producing like other things. And I just think that so many people maybe get stuck in that well, I'm going to compete and I'm going to backstab and, and you're losing out on like not only yourself being able to be improved by the other person, but you're missing out on that other thing. That other thing. All right. So that's the perfect segue to to my closing story. All right. So I've got to give you guys a little bit of background and I'll apologize to the listeners. This is about to get real nerdy. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the formation event for this group of guys was the science quiz bowl team. Yes. Right. We had all great stories. All great the stories. Science quiz bowl team. Start with the science quiz bowl right. team. Epic adventure. <laughs> 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 so here's the origin story. They they hand out a science and math test to the whole school. Most people don't take it seriously because they don't care about science and math, but obviously some of them did. And they took the highest scores across the school and, and had those kids come be part of the science and technology club. Well, there were three sophomores that placed in the top, like, 15 in the school. No, no, four. There were four sophomores that placed in the top, which 
when you think about it, it's pretty weird because you haven't had your sophomore, junior, or senior year classes yet, and yet you're being measured against everybody else in the school. So I'm, you know, I'm answering chemistry questions. I've never had chemistry, right? So mm-hmm. those four guys were the four of us. Right? So the formation of the original the formation pack here of the was, hey, they were the science. We were the nerds, nerds, right? But we were like the nerds that were somewhat freakish because we were in early in our sophomore year and still scoring higher than a lot of sophomores and juniors and seniors in math and science. So we had gone to science quiz bowl our sophomore year. We were the rookies. We went again in our junior year. We were kind of key contributors. And then our senior year was going to be, you know, the apex moment because we'd now had all of our classes and and we were ready to just crush. I, I love this story. I can't We were wait. just ready to crush the science quiz bowl. And so they actually put the four of us on a team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, okay. There were two teams that got sent. We took two teams. And they stacked all the four beasts who would brief. Like, they'd been the kings all along. And now it's their senior year. It's oh, time to shine. Time to shine. The right, we were right. clearly the A team. And then they put together this misfit band of the second team. It's like, well, these guys want to go. <laughs> right. We're allowed to enter two teams. Right. Okay. And so right. Scott, was, Scott was part of the other team. And then... One other guy who had kind of orbited us for a while and a good dude and really bright. And then I don't even know who else was on your team. A couple other girls. I mean, oh, yeah. smart, cool girls. Yeah, smart, smart, cool girls. So yeah. we both kind of plow our way through the field. At one point, we played, uh, oh. we went head to head with them. And I think round one. Oh, so now I get to interrupt and share the story. Okay, so. So we're doing this. These guys are dominating, and it's a double elimination tournament, and this this whole bracket system, and we're going through this whole process, and I'm trying to be a good team member, and I'm I'm answering when I know the right questions, and you have little buzzers in your hand, right? You're going through this process, right? And we're winning. We're a pretty good team, but we get to them, and they they just I, th- they, I think we just mopped the they floor. They dominated us, us right. like destroyed us, and so we're feeling really good, like. That was really our only competition, and we just plowed through them. So we make it to the finals. But I had a revelation watching my team lose, and I was like, how is this game played? I have been playing a science game. This is not a science game. This is a quiz game. And it was like, oh, there's actually no penalty for bad Questions. It's all about how quick you can get out there, and like for a, bad answers. For bad answers, answer. you like just don't if get you it. Answer it wrong, you don't lose points. No, nope. you're just you just what happens is the, the other team gets to take a shot at it. If you and the first person to buzz in goes, and I'm kind of and I'm trying to be a good team member. Right. So when a question goes, you stop and look at your team. Does anyone of you know it? Who's most confident? Let's push the button. Right. Well, the, the game is really not about that. It's about speed, because if you answer first, and there were like at least 15, 20 of the questions. It's like, oh, oh I could have done that, but they beat me to it. All right, so so hold on. So so here's what happens is I've got, I'm on a team of guys that are future doctors and yeah. like these guys are top shelf. Like and math, I know math majors in college. Math, and these guys, this know, is their jam. A couple of guys made fives on the AP calculus exam. Like these guys are top shelf. And so I know when when they start asking the question, I'm like, that's a Chris question. That's a Jamie question. That's a Matt question. Because I know who's the best. We're all good. Remember the, and they know all each other's niches. And they all know And I own. know that if, if Matt doesn't know that, I'm not so going to answer I it. like the people that are on class, but we aren't a team that has played I don't know. know. So we're all like looking at each other. Each and streets. they beat us to all the questions. Yeah. because And, and so we're just we're so, slaying them. So they're just like, dude. We're, but because we had won all other stuff, in a weird twist of fate, 
We, we kept winning the other things. The finals is us and them again. <laughs> again. But we have one loss and they have no losses. They have no losses. All right. So, so I have my revelation. Oh, and like, I don't even know how I articulated, but bluntly, I was like, I'm just going to have to do this. And so this is the... My team isn't going to do this. I'm just going to have to do this. This is one of my wolf moments. I don't know if this was for you. We get to the finals and, you know, they keep asking questions around different topics, right? There's one round that's kind of chemistry heavy, one round that's kind of geometry heavy. Like It just keeps, keeps moving around. We get to the finals and for some, you know, just randomness, it ends up on astronomy, which none of us have had this class. None of us have had astronomy, right? I don't even know who knows astronomy. And like, did any of you have, either of you have astronomy as a high school class? As a high school class? So, I mean, general, but not like. So I'm looking at my team and they're asking these questions and we're all looking at each other like, I have no freaking clue what is going on. And then I look at Scott and Scott starts answering questions and he starts, he starts getting some of them right. Now he misses some, but he gets some of them right. And I'm like, did he have this class in, no, in, you know, before he came to our school? The answer is no. The answer is no. I know nothing about astronomy. And so that's when the light bulb goes off for me. And I don't think it goes off for anybody else on my team. It's you. And I remember remember sitting, you and me locking eyes. They put their buzzers down. (laughs) Yes. Our (laughs) team like is freaking They put their buzzers down. And Ah. I remember this moment where I look at Scott and I'm like, Like buzzers, (laughs) thumbs on buzzers. We're across the room staring at each other. The game has buzzers in your hand. Buzzers in each other. Eye to eye. Like, I got you, buddy. Let's do this. All right. So, so here's, here's the moment. Cause, cause in, my head, I'm like, this has nothing to do with astronomy anymore. Bingo. And that's my revelation. This right. isn't a science game. He had realized it the, the round before. I realized it mid-game. We're getting killed by a guy who doesn't know what he's doing. Right. And I'm just like, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's playing a different game. But I can play that game. This is just a BS game. That's right. Like, yeah. it's, just, it's just who's well, got... And it becomes multiple choice, it's right? It's really if you, like... So now he's like, the, blah, 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 the spin of the Axis of Io. Oh, blah, is blah, it blah. A... 90, B, oh, negative 90, oh, C, oh, yeah, you're 180, D, C. 45. A. And you're like, it's one of the two 90s. Is it negative or positive? C. I have no idea which one it is. But but <laughs> I remember vividly looking at, like, looking at Daniel in the The guy's off to our left. I'm not even looking at the announcer. <laughs> I'm just like, buzz, stare right in the eyeball. It's C. And he knows that I have no idea what the answer is. So the only and then the guy would be correct. And I would be like, and I would just like flip my head up and down like... Yep. The only one better than that is is when the answers are so complicated, oh. I don't even know what no, they're saying. No, notice I said C. Like, there's times you're like, and the ex for the exactional factors, and like, you're yeah, like, I don't no, even know what those words are. No, and you're just the like, C. I the, letter. the answer yeah. is B. <laughs> and he would be like, correct. <laughs> it was. Yes. So, so like, I still have, this was 25 years ago. I still have this picture in my head of both of us. Like, seriously, the rest of the guys on my team put their buzzers down. It's like if this was a movie, you know, like it's in, it's the camera in, zooms in on your face. Everything fades up black. Yes, everything like fades, fades everything to buzz. Buzzes, everything yes, buzzes. yes. And, and we're just like, who can press the button and pull something out of their rear end Who's fastest? got the audacity to pick a letter out of random yeah. and see if he can win? That's I mean, if we're going to go there, so we I have guess to since, know who won. I, yeah, saying, who I won. guess since this is my story, I get to say, oh, I destroyed him and his team. Mm-hmm. 
twice in, in a, a row. row. Oh, you got, you did. Yeah, I did. did. Yes, he did. I looked, oh. in, I looked Daniel right in the eyeball, what a beat him story. that round, came back, beat him the second oh. round, and in the all the arrogance of an 18-year-old, I made like a crown with my fingers, <laughs> cr- looked Daniel in the eye, and crowned myself when they announced the winner. I put my I, hands on the head like I was crowning myself. Yeah. I had forgotten that part. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, I did not. No. I remember, now I remember literally putting like a crown on my head, like miming it, and being like, yeah, I just own owned you, boys. I just owned you. That and I is, still have no I idea what the answer I've ever heard that story. That it was unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Oh, that was one of my highlight moments oh, of that it was, year. It was classic. <laughs> it was so classic. But, so, so if we're going to wrap up my, my part of the story, this is not my life story. This is me coming to Wolf. Honestly, by the time I graduate that senior year, like I have figured out that there is alpha packs that you can cope. Because these guys, then here's what, let me, actually, here's the real ending of the story. I was a jerk punk to them, right? I'm staring him in the eye. And a classic alpha v alpha situation is like, okay, this would be a bone of contention between us. Right. These four guys came over to me and geeked out on how awesome it was to see me do that immediately. That's pretty amazing. Patted me yeah. on the back, like in the room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're like, this guy's amazing. Did you guys check this out? That was incredible. We didn't know you could do that, Scott. Now, I think the other guys thought I knew astronomy, right? (laughs) And Daniel... Daniel Daniel knew he didn't. Daniel Daniel. was celebrating me on a different level. Yeah. (laughs) But they celebrated me. So I graduated that high school experience being like, oh, I know what Alpha Pack looks like. Yeah. Okay. And I really have been trying to, and and sometimes succeeding and sometimes not, recreate that everywhere else I went. I created a group called The Posse in college, and we were our little alpha pack. And and we didn't stick together. Life just took us all different directions. I did it again at a church, formed a men's group around it. I mean, eventually we got to you guys. Daniel and I stayed in touch. I mean, I just... I kept pushing the boundaries and for better and for worse, everywhere I go, I'm like, well, who says, who says, I mean, college, I wrote my own degree program. I saw a little thing in the catalog that said, Hey, you can make your own degree up. And I was like, don't mind if I do. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. Um, <laughs> like, but it's because I had these early experiences that really catalyzed that senior mm. year. And the rest of my life has been not just, I want to be crazy alpha pushing the boundaries, but I mm. keep trying to pack. And the beauty is that, well, it's worked. Um, I mean, it's been it's been amazing. You've been listening to the Alpha Pack Podcast. To learn more about how you can implement the strategies and insight discussed in today's episode, make sure to check out the show notes page and follow the pack on www.alphapackcommunity.com. Until next time, we hope you settle for nothing less than making the world better than the way you found it. Stay alpha. Stay alpha.